Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Picked off by the Colts. Kenny Moore, 30, 20, down the near sideline. They hand off to Taylor, right up the gut, and he's in there. Touchdown! We're talking Colts and recapping the action. He's got it! Here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 6.30 tonight, coming to you a little bit earlier than normal. The Pacers take over the airwaves at 6.30 tonight. Colts came up short on Sunday, falling to the Titans 19-10 as they dropped a 3-3-1 on the season. Indianapolis is now in second place in the AFC South after suffering their fifth straight loss to the Titans. If you watched or listened to the game, you know how much of a frustrating afternoon it was for the Colts. The Titans led 13 to nothing in halftime, and they finished the game with just 254 yards of offense. But Tennessee did what the Titans do. They forced the Colts into mistakes. They grinded out drives to limit possessions, and they didn't turn the ball over themselves all but one time. The Colts had three turnovers on Sunday, a lost fumble, and two interceptions, one that was returned 76 yards for a touchdown. That was the only touchdown of the day for the Titans. The Colts' defense was great for most of the game. The Titans, who had been efficiency percentage-wise the best team in the red zone coming into the game, they were shut out in the red area on Sunday. The Colts' defense held the Titans to just 116 net passing yards. That marks the third time this season the Colts limited a team to less than 140 net passing yards. But give credit to the Titans. They made key plays on third downs, and Derrick Henry wore the Colts down in the second half as he ran for 128 yards on 30 carries. It marked his seventh career 100-yard rushing game against the Colts. Outside of the collective defensive play, the other bright spots on the team included Paris Campbell and Grover Stewart. For the second straight week, Campbell pulled in a career-high number of catches. He finished the day with 10 of them for 70 yards and a touchdown. And his last two games, Paris Campbell, 17 catches for 127 yards and two touchdowns. And then Grover Stewart, monster day for the defensive tackle, having a monster season as well. And Tennessee, he piled up 12 tackles which are a career high for him but the most by a defensive tackle in a game this season in the NFL and the most by a Colts defensive tackle in a game since at least 1994. 40% of the Colts season is in the books and they're certainly not where they want to be. They only have one more AFC South game the rest of the season. That doesn't come until week 10 against the Houston Texans. And the Colts are 1-3-1 and one in the division, and the likelihood of winning the AFC South drop yesterday with Tennessee sweeping the season series and holding the tiebreaker over the Colts. Ten games left, and the Colts need to go on a serious run to get back into playoff contention. Big news of the day, the switch at quarterback. I'm sure you've heard by now, Sam Ellinger will take over as the starting quarterback for the Colts for Matt Ryan. Starting on Sunday in Week 8, Frank Reich said today the plan is for Ellinger to play the rest of the season make his first NFL start against the Commanders, and Matt Ryan has a grade two shoulder separation and will be inactive this upcoming Sunday, will not practice this week, but Frank said that that injury did not factor into this decision. Coming up, we'll talk about that in full detail with former Colts Rick Venturi and Joe Wright. They'll join me starting on the next segment, and we're also taking your questions tonight with those guys later in the show and also right now with head coach Frank Reich. Uh, Tweet your questions in 
using hashtag Colts Roundtable. And again, as he always does, joining us now in segment number one is the head coach of the Colts, Frank Reich, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. And coach, we'll talk about the quarterback move here in just a second. But to start off, going back to Sunday first, I know uh, watching the film today, probably not the best experience. Uh, the turnovers, how much did the turnovers factor into this game, a game where the Titans don't score an offensive touchdown? How costly were those giveaways? Yeah, they, they were big. And, uh, you know, part of the formula, right, is we always say you, you got to win the turnover battle. Everybody knows that. And we say you got to win the quarterback battle, I mean, the quarterback rating battle, which is not just the quarterback. It's a, really a team stat. Right. So um, those turnovers hurt us, right? And I, we all know the turnovers are – particularly on the quarterback, but it's, it's a little bit more complex than that, yeah. right? It's not always the quarterback's fault, but that's just that's just the way it rolls in this league. All right, the big story of the day, no doubt, uh, switch at quarterback on offense. Sam Ellinger now takes over as the starting quarterback. If you don't mind, oh, you talked about this in your, your press conference earlier today with the media, but for this audience, what went into that decision? How did you arrive at that change? A hard decision, right? Ultimate respect for Matt Ryan, the career that he's had, what he's done here, the impact he's had here. Um, but ultimately, this is about, you know, what's best for the team. And, you know, I, I made it clear that this is, you know, that the offense's lack of production, you know, isn't on one person. It's not just on Matt Ryan. But we understand Right, we understand that you know, as a head coach and a quarterback, those are the two focal points, right? So, you know, head coach is ultimately measured on wins and losses. The quarterback is measured on points and production and turnovers and that stuff. Right. So, um, so you know, you'd have to take that for what it is. Matt handled it like a pro. You know, he's going to help us get to where we want to go. And and how's Matt feeling in terms of? physicality you know he's got you said earlier he's got that grade two shoulder uh sprain how is he doing in terms of that injury um you know i i think he's gonna yeah, he's gonna be fine um it would have been interesting you know had we not made the change I, i'm not sure he would have made it on sunday right right but knowing matt he would have he would have you know it would have had it injected and you know the whole deal and would have found a way to play mm-hmm. but it's one of those things probably wouldn't have practiced most of the week and probably right. just wouldn't end up playing do you have a plan for, for Matt the rest of the season when he comes back to full health? Do you have a plan for him being the number two? If you you know what? Uh, really, what we're going to do is we're just going to evaluate that when that time comes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and see where everything is at and, and see where everything is at. I just know this is that um, all three of those guys need to be ready, right? And you don't ever, you know, the plan is for Sam to be the start of the rest of the year, and we think he's going to do well. And we're optimistic about that. Um, But all three guys got to be ready. Yeah, it's Frank Reich with us on Colts Roundtable Live tonight. Going back to Sam, what have you seen out of him that that makes you think he's ready for this? I mean, just the way he works every day, the way he competes when he's out there on the field, you know, running a scout team, um, you know, going up against our number one defense and the quality of throws he makes, the kind of throws, pushing the ball down the field, doing this, doing that. You know, and then we know that he's magical when it comes to scrambling around and making plays. He had a great offseason, and I know that on his own he worked out with Tom House uh, in the offseason as well before he reported for the offseason workout program and training camp. How, how improved is he compared to last year, would you say? I've told Sam multiple times this year that, you know, like at whatever notch you are on that scale of, you know, 1 to 10, like, you know, it's hard to make a half a notch improvement. And I feel like – you know, his accuracy and even his arm strength, like his accuracy has just got better, you know, like a full notch better, maybe mm-hmm. even more. His arm strength, you know, improved. Um, you can just tell he's comfortable in the pocket, but then still always has that, 
magic sauce of knowing when to get out and make a big right. play. You know, when you make a change like this at quarterback, you know, undoubtedly that's one of the biggest positions on the team. It's one of the biggest, you know, leadership positions on the team. What kind of effect do you think that'll have inside the locker room with this change? I think the guys are going to be, you know, they're, they're going to have mixed emotion. You know, they love Matt. Mm -hmm. They love Matt. They respect Matt. Um, you know, but they also love Sam and respect Sam. So that's the way it should be. You know, both of those things can be true. You can have mixed emotions right. about it. Um, I know guys, because I know I've already talked to one or two guys, you know, because we all know on offense, all of us on offense, you know, we feel responsible. You know, like we didn't help them out as much as we should have helped them out. We wanted to, you know, we kind of promised them a good running game and great protection, and it hasn't been that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we feel responsible for that. Um, but yet we can be excited about Sam as well. As Frank Reich with us on Colts Roundtable Live tonight, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. For you, how much work goes into changing the offense, tweaking the offense now with, with a new quarterback who has a different skill set? Yeah, I mean, well, it'll change a little bit. I mean, it'll still be, uh, you know, 80%. Like we say, every year we've had a new quarterback, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which is insane, right? Right. But, um, you know, 80% of it stays the same, 20% yeah. of it changes up. Yeah, his his mobility. How much do you think that'll kickstart the offense? When things kind of break down, he's got that in his, in his tool, if you will. He, he does. And, you know, when you get guys like that, right – and I said this earlier at the press conference, like, hey, you can win the game from the pocket. And I think Sam has the ability to win the game from yeah. the pocket, as does Matt Ryan. But when you can extend plays with your legs, and like we always like to say, hey, if you're a quarterback who can make two, one or two key third down rushing convert, you know, where you drop back to pass on third and five and it's not there and boom, it's first down. Or it's third and seven and yeah. boom, you, you, you scramble. Those – extends drives many times that win games so that can definitely be a spark all right that's a steady dose of the quarterback conversation with uh, the big news sam ellinger taking over as the starting quarterback for the colts let's go to a few fan questions now most of these were submitted before that news came out again you can always tweet in hashtag colts roundtable let's go to a few different areas coach before we let you go mark is up first asking do we need to keep deforest buckner at defensive end i don't think he's playing there exclusively but some uh, he's asking, is he better out there with the emergence of Grover Stewart on the inside? I, I think uh, Gus and the defensive staff have done an excellent job of utilizing him at both spots and think that that's probably the way it'll go, continue going forward. He's very versatile, mm -hmm. great player, and there's times to use him inside and outside. All right, Rick is up next. Uh, how did the offensive line fare with Dennis Kelly getting the start at left tackle? Are we still searching for our best starting five along the offensive line? They did well. Um, you know, I think there was a little bit of a spark in the run game. You know, still not quite to where we want to get. The flow of the game was, you know, we want to keep running it more. But And then the protection, you know, you, we threw it a lot of times. And, you know, there, we, had, we gave up a couple sacks. But um, overall, I thought the protection was good. All right, two more. Grant is up. Uh, we lost the game, but the defense played great. Are we playing at a level on defense that can keep us in every game this season? Yes, we're definitely playing on a level on defense that can keep us in games. But um, like we always say this, you know, as a team, and I say this with the defense is it's not just about keeping us in the game. You know, it's about winning games. And so, you know, we got to get more turnovers. We got to get more turnovers. And, you know, I say, well, we're already playing good enough. Well, yeah, we are playing good enough. But we say this all the time. Hey, if we got to win a high scoring shootout and score 40, then we, we want to be a team that can do that. Yeah. And if we got to win three to seven to nothing with the defense scoring the only touchdown, then you want to be able to be that kind of team. Pete is up next. Last one, coach. Is Grover Stewart an all pro player? Why has he exploded this year? Yes, he's an all pro player and he, and he has the production to, to show it, the tape to show it. Um, 
I think this system is really fit. This defensive system really suits him well. Where, you know, come off and explode off the ball. I think Nate Ollie's done a great job with him. You know, the defensive line coach. But it's really all about Grover. You know, he has a great work ethic. He's mm-hmm. continued to get better every year, and then he's having yeah. a great year. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, he's on pace for career highs and everything. That's Frank Reich with us tonight on Colts Roundtable Live, Coach. I know it's a busy day for you. Um, best of luck with the quarterback transition. And we'll talk to you later this week. Okay. Thanks, Matt. That's our weekly talk with Frank Reich, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, saving home on monthly bills. When you can serve water and energy for money-saving tips, visit citizensenergygroup.com. When we come back, welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wright. Starting in segment number two, we'll get their tale of the tape after the Colts set back to the Titans. We're coming back with that in just a moment here on the home of the Colts, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor. Welcome back. Colts Roundtable Live returns on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. The show tonight's also brought to you by Caesars and Pick 6 and the Caesars Sportsbook. That's free to play all season long. Answer six predictive questions about the game every week for a chance to win Great Colts prizes must be 21 or older to play. It's time now to welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, the former Colts, to the show. Before we get into the big news of the day, obviously the Colts are making a big switch at quarterback. Sam Ellinger now going to take over the helm of the offense for the remainder of the season, according to Frank Reich. We'll have uh, plenty of time to dive into that. But uh, as we do, want to dive back into the tail of the tape um, and just quickly recap what went wrong on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, you know, the Colts came up short. More turnovers, obviously, to run their record down to 3-3-1. and one. Joe, I'll start with you. We'll talk about Sam Ellinger coming up on the next segment, but uh, let's talk about your biggest takeaways from how the Colts got here through seven games, 3-3-1 and one, and uh, 0 for 2 this year, 0 for their last five against the Tennessee Titans. When you go back and watch the film again today, uh, what happened? What were your biggest takeaways in Nashville? Yeah, very disappointing first. The division game, what I felt was a very winnable game, and I had a ton of conviction we were going to go down there, right the ship, and beat this ball club. But bottom line, you know, the two things I talked about on the pregame show uh, leading up to the game were when you look at the stats at the end of the game, you're going to look at turnovers and rushing attempts, and whoever's better there is going to win the ball club. And they doubled our rushing attempts because they were in control of the game, which means they had the lead. They got up to that 10-0 lead, and they got that 10-0 lead because we turned the ball over. Three... Turnovers for us, one for them. They gave us that fumble. But when you're minus two on the road, it's really, really hard to win. And again, that's the tail of the tape from the first time we played Tennessee where we had three turnovers. I mean, both those interceptions, right, one we threw on their 38, the other we threw on their 28. I mean, that's six points minimum. But we lost a football game in which we allowed 12 points, four field goals to the best red zone team in the NFL. And so the defense, I thought, hats off to them. They really played phenomenal again but I think the tail of the tape this game is the same as Tennessee three weeks ago, and really the tail of the tape for the whole season, Coach and Matt, and that is the turnover issue. You're minus seven on the year. You're second last. Only New Orleans is worse than you. It's really hard to win games when you're minus seven through seven games, and that's why we're sitting right here at 3-3-1, three, three, and one, you know, just right there, an average you know, 500 ball club. Yeah, every time, Matt, that I and, and you know this because we look at we we feel one another for three hours in that booth, and you know every time I walk out of the Tennessee game here in the last four to five games, 
I just scratch my head, and, and I'm amazed at, at again. I, I, I believe that Tennessee gets more out of less than any team in the league. I think in that respect, they're the most yeah. overachieving team in the league. And it really is a tribute to them. I, I'm not minimizing them. It's a tribute to them and their staff and their players. I don't know how good Tennessee really is. I, I, I don't think they're that good. But this I know, that when they play us, Number one, they're better prepared. And most importantly, and Joe and I have talked about this, both mentally and physically, they are tougher than we are. Our inability to put three phases together in a game has made us this inconsistent 3-3-1 and one team. Mm-hmm. I think two things that stood out, and, I, and I'll let it go with that, is two things that are just killing us, and maybe the quarterback change helps uh, our blitz coordination and lack of picking up stunts is just horrific. And how we've gone from the number one turnover ratio team in the league, plus 14, to the 31st team in a minus five, is just it's just simply mind-boggling and disheartening. And I guess the last thing I will say on a lighter note in conclusion, I hope I never see Austin Hooper again. (laughs) He had three catches, but, man, they were the three biggest catches I've ever seen down the stretch, all third down and game-changing plays. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Takeaway is a problem for the Colts on offense, but the Colts' defense did have one of their own, a fumble recovery by Bobby Okereke. That means Colts fans can score a free appetizer tonight at B-Dubs through this Wednesday at participating Indianapolis locations. See Colts.com slash BWW for details. All right, that's the tale of the tape here on Colts Roundtable Live, our first segment with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. When we come back, we're going full bore. We'll talk about quarterback Sam Ellinger, now your starter for the Indianapolis Colts starting in week eight against the Commanders. We'll discuss that in plenty of detail when we come back on Colts Roundtable Live. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Back again on Colts Roundtable Live, which is always presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Show is also brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Indianapolis Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. All right, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights are back. I'm Matt Taylor. Big news of the day. We're going full bore. Sam Ellinger is now the starting quarterback for the Colts in year two. Drafted in the sixth round in uh, 2021 out of Texas. He was a star in the Colts preseason uh, this past August. Completed 82% of his passes, four touchdowns, had a 147 passer rating. Also led the team in rushing, uh, including a 45-yard touchdown. He's appeared in three regular season games, all coming last year. Has not attempted a regular season pass in college. A four-year starter at Texas, ranked second in school history in completions, passing yards, and passing touchdowns. He guided the Longhorns to eight career wins over top 25 teams and a program record seven game-winning drives. So, Joe, I'll start with you. Just uh, your initial reaction to this, the timing of it, and and what do you make of the Colts making this switch at quarterback, going to Sam Ellinger here after a three and three, one, uh, excuse me, a three three and one start for the Colts? You know, I think mildly surprised because again, the team's three three and one, and 
You're right, they're sitting in the middle of things, but I think losing to Tennessee twice complicates things for sure, like we talked about with the division and trying to make a playoff run, and it's still out there. But I just look at it you know, twofold. One, Ellinger, you know, usually coaches are going to make a decision in the short term. Who gives you the best chance to win ball games? And I think you go back to yesterday, you go back to a lot of these games. If we just didn't turn the ball over, you know, we might be sitting here with a completely different record right now, you know, and five and two, something along those lines, and it's a completely different discussion. But we have turned the ball over, nine interceptions, 11 fumbles by Matt Ryan, three of them lost. And that's been our Achilles heel. And so one, you know, Ellinger gives you a guy a different dimension, do some things offensively. But I think that's the short term. The long term is looking towards the future. Here's a kid, you draft him in the sixth round. He was a star in college. He was a star in the preseason. Generally, if you're a star and you kind of have that it factor, which I think that's what you hear guys talk about. He has that it factor. He's got that magic. He's got that twinkle in his eye. Yeah, he might not be there with all the measurables in terms of size, et cetera. But coach, we know this, his arm strength looked completely different this year. You and I saw that up close in the preseason. So I'm excited for this kid and I'm excited I think it's advantageous the time you are making the switch in terms of a Washington team with their own backup quarterback. You're at home, so you don't have to deal with crowd noise. There's a big difference in throwing the keys to a young player when you're a quarterback at home in a very winnable game versus you know going on the road and playing New England. You know if that makes sense. So, Coach, what uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know I think it's stunning in in one sense in this in the fact that when we when we traded for Matt Ryan in the off season. I doubt that there was anyone in town that wasn't elated about it and didn't have a great sense of optimism and, and belief in we, where we were going to go. I think, you know, I think his performance because of that, and it's not all on him. We can talk about some other things as we go, but his performance with the turnovers especially um, has been a humongous disappointment, maybe the most disappointing factor of the season. So it's not totally surprising, and I really think that at 3-3-1, three, three and one, there's still a ton of football to play. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got 10 games to play. Uh, nobody's going to run away with the South, even though our South record isn't any good. Just remember that your overall record still wins or loses the division. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. it's not about tiebreakers if you can, at the end of the year, pack enough wins together to get it done. And so the move to Ellinger, I think, does several things for you. Um, I am an unabashed fan of Ellinger. I was uh, literally campaigning overtly and covertly for him to make the roster this summer. I was, I, I was more than willing to, to, to take three quarterbacks and stay with him. I thought he absolutely deserved it. But I think that he can help us in many ways. And Joe hit it, uh, number one, I think he'll take care of the football. I think he has a, a reputation of that. I think if we do nothing more than that, we'll be a better football team. But I also think that the things that are killing us right now, uh, you know, obviously are the turnovers, the inability to run the ball consistently, uh, and pass protection. Those three things are just, you know, other than the one game against Jacksonville. It's really abysmal when you look at all the numbers as they've mounted up over seven weeks. So, you know, I think in one sense, and we can get into this as we go on, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what he brings and what he doesn't. 
but he he will have an effect on the running game. I believe number one, he can make the running be- game better, and I'll talk about that uh, later in the podcast because I think he will add gaps to the defense. Uh, number two, I think he has the escapability. I mean, and you know, with the way that that we're protecting right now, uh, we've got to have a guy that can move. We've got to have a guy that can escape, that can get out of trouble. And he has the ability to escape and to make big plays with it. And then I just think he also gives you the designer runs, you know, kind of some of the things that Tannehill, Tannehill had a critical zone read for a 10-yard gain in this game. And then I do believe that he does have, and, and Joe used the it factor, there is a, a charisma about him. There is something about him that you feel like he energizes the game. And I, I really think, you know, people ask, well, why are you doing this now? I think you're doing it to save the season. I think you've made up your mind at forever reason. Matt Ryan isn't the fit here right now. And mm-hmm. so, you know, let's get somebody who we kind of believe in. He's going to inject juice into the into the situation. I mean, any time you make a change, there's going to be new juice. But, you know, in the end, he's going to have to perform. I mean, the only way you're going to win it over is to perform. But, you know, I see this as an attempt to save the season at 3-3-1 three and three and one with plenty of games to play. No question. And, Coach, I want to add on something you talked about, the pass protection. We've had issues. Clearly, we haven't helped Matt Ryan. But one thing, and you know this too, you know, Matt Ryan is not an escape to get outside the pocket and really be a threat on the edge. So what are teams doing? They're not being as disciplined in their pass rush, meaning they're sending three and four guys inside, and they're not having that gap discipline because they're betting, hey, even if we give a lane outside and this defensive end goes inside or we run some sort of pick stunt, we're betting Matt Ryan's not going to break contain and run around the edge. All of a sudden with Sam Elgar, that's something different. You have four or five guys up the middle. He breaks out boots right. Nobody's there. He'll take it and run with it for 15 or 20. Or, you know, maybe you chuck it downfield over their head. And so I think you mentioned he'll be better in the run game. And I would agree because he's an extra runner you have to account for. We probably can go back to some more under center things with, you know, Jonathan Taylor and some runs, some design runs, some bootlegs. But also in the pass game, while he doesn't give you what Matt Ryan gives you in terms of, um, you know, it's all of his experience, throwing the ball around, command of the offense. He will give you some different plays in the pass game. We might have some bigger plays because he'll be able to run around there, back there uh, in the pocket. Yeah, you know, and, and when I, you know, when I looked at him, I would not, a year ago, let's say that we were in this same situation a year ago, I would have never, I would have never advocated this move. Agreed. Uh, but there was a big difference in, uh, Sam, this summer, uh, you know the the off season he, that he spent with the, you know with the quarterback with the throwing guru, uh, he came back and his arm was substantially better. I mean he could throw the second level. I as a rookie I never saw him even in practice be able to throw the second level, the digs, the comebacks, the things that you have to make a living in critical downs. Um, this summer, I saw that. I saw that ball come out of his hand totally different, a slightly quicker release. Um, I thought the ball really did come out of his hand. And so I believe that, you know, I, I've always felt that, you know, don't ever tell me that a quarterback manages the game because in the NFL, a quarterback has to make between eight 
in 18 throws a game into tight windows, depending on the game, depending on the type of game, depending on the defense. And so no matter who you are, uh, no matter how good an athlete you are, you are going to have to deliver from the pocket at a certain time. And that's why I feel so much better about him this year than I did a year ago. Now, the way that I think that he helps our running game, and I think we've made a huge mistake here franchise-wise. I think it's, it borders on coaching and personnel uh, malpractice, to be honest with you. To not carry a fullback or a hybrid tight end in your offense, in your running game, today the way the defenses are being played with the under and the heavy double sink without carrying a lead blocker. And you saw when they had to have it, when Tennessee has to have it, and they lost their fullback before the game, but they used two different guys as a fullback in this game. When they had to run it, and we knew they had to run it, they could run the lead plays. Well, we don't have that, and Mm -hmm. we're not going to get it. So we're a vanilla zone running team that is getting stuffed week after week. Now, what a running quarterback does for you, much like the Saturday, the NCAA game, is that he adds a gap to either side. So if your ends are closing really, really hard and you're jamming eight in the box, he has the ability to pull it. We call it ride and decide. On those zone read principle plays, he has the ability to take it out there and go. And as Joe said, you can move the pocket with him. He can not only escape, but you can move it with bootleg, with rollouts, so it's very hard to pack all those inside fork games and all the things that are killing us right now because that launch point is going to change with him. There's no question about that. So there is an addition to your offense, and that's why I wanted him on the team, and that's why I was really happy, Matt, when he got elevated to number two because I felt at least on the travel team now yeah. he had a chance to go in and do some of that stuff. Well, now now he'll have a chance to do it from the beginning to the end. I want to go back to something that you said, and, and, and Joe, you can comment on it as well. But, but Rick, you said this is a move to, in your eyes, you think this can help salvage the season or save the season. Obviously, when a, a move of, of this magnitude is made, going from a guy that has, and I know Matt Ryan has struggled, but a guy that's had 15 years in the NFL compared to a guy that's going to be making his first NFL start on Sunday, there's a section of the fan base that, that – and I'm yep. just playing devil's advocate here, but there's no a section. Right. I know what you're going to say. There's a yeah, section yeah. of the fan base that says, "Well, with that loss to Tennessee, you know, the the season's over, and this is a move just to just to see what you got at quarterback." What do you say to those people that that think this is kind of a throwaway at this point? Well, in many respects, that's why I led the way I led. I normally speak with a purpose, and I I, de- I definitely feel like that at this point in time, the way our team is structured, lack of a running game. And which allows people in second and ten and third and ten to bring the house. Every time Tennessee blitz, they killed us. They just killed us Sunday. And so I think basically what the decision is, is we can't go any – we're not going to get any better with Matt in there, regardless of history. And it's all about now. So if we're going to salvage this thing, we've got to change some things. We've got to get somebody in there that can not only just emotionally jolt us, but give us some other things that we need to get us out of this jam. I think that's critical. And I don't believe the season is over. I, you know, do we look bad in the South right now? But again, as I said earlier, 
We have 10 games left, and Tennessee is not going to run around. They're, a, they're another sprained ankle. They lose Tannehill, it's over. They're done, okay? They're finished. So they're not going to run away with it. So at the end of the game, we, we just have to pack wins. And at this point, you just pack wins by winning one in a row, one in a row. The packing of the wins is beating the commanders this week. But I think the move is to give us the best chance to go forward. I do not see it as tanking at all. I really don't. And, yeah. you know, that's, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm selling myself on that. But that's, that's exactly how I'm looking at it as a coach is I've got to find a way to change this. Well, and, and Coach, I agree with you 100%. We always would talk about our guys playing winning football. And winning football, generally, that's the easiest metric to evaluate the NFL. Basically, did I play well enough that I helped my team win? And, you know, as an offensive lineman, you're not going to beat the defensive end all 60 snaps. But if you do it 50 out of 60 and you don't give up any sacks, you know, at the end of the day, Coach, grade you plus minus, you know, hey, you played winning football today. Nice job. Let's move on to the next one. And if you look at Matt Ryan, you know, is he playing winning football? Is he – helping us neutral or hurting this team and I would argue hurting with the turnovers and so now you bring in a new dimension a new offense we can get our running game back up Jonathan Taylor has not looked like Jonathan Taylor through the first seven games I understand that's because of you know he missed a couple games with injury but in reality we've been so far behind the eight ball we've been down you know double digits it seems like in every game and then we're fighting like crazy to try to get back and we're throwing the ball over the place versus you know a team hey control the ball run the ball grind the clock our defense has really played you know i'm gonna say outstanding throughout the year you know yesterday we had some issues with hawk you know and he's been good in the special teams operation but i'm with coach uh tennessee you, you mentioned tano if he goes down if henry goes down i know they're four and two there's a lot of football left but they got 11 games left and they got to play the NFC East just like the Colts have to play the NFC East. And they got to play the AFC West just like the Colts have to play the AFC West. Now, positively, the Colts are 2-0 and versus the West. We haven't done it in the division, but right, keep an eye on it. And I don't want to go too far ahead because, to Coach's point, all that matters is win one game. Just win the darn game Sunday, and then you'll worry about the next game the next game. But keep in mind this tie, too, because this tie all of a sudden comes back and, you know, Tennessee's 9-8 and and we're 9-7-1 and or – we get to 10-6-1, and one, and they're 10-7. and seven. You know, that tiebreaker, to his point, they have a two-game lead on us in the division, the tiebreaker, but that tie really nullifies that tiebreaker. Again, there's a lot of football left to be played, but if you're asking me, do I feel good about our chances to beat Washington with Ellinger? Heck yeah. You know, and they're playing, you know, Henneke, and I know they had a win, but you just look around, all these games we've won – or sorry, lost, we, we could have won if we didn't turn the ball over. And that to me is just number one with Sam Ellinger. You're coaching him up. You're carrying the city. You're carrying the state in you with this football. Let's not turn it over. Let's put ourselves in advantageous positions and, and let's see what happens and roll it out here with, uh, with number four. Well done right there. That's Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. The Colts Audio Network includes podcasts, radio shows, and player interviews, and it's also available on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you download your podcasts. You can also listen on the SiriusXM mobile app by searching Colts. Listen to exclusive Colts radio and audio content on demand and stay up to date on the Colts on your schedule. Good stuff right there from Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. We'll keep the good stuff working when we come back. We'll talk more about Sam Ellinger taking over at quarterback. The mailbag is next. Get your questions in. Get them in using hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll take the best ones coming back on the other side. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Welcome back again to Colts Roundtable Live, presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Everstream, Indy's business-only fiber network, faster fiber and better business. Time again for the mailbag on Colts Roundtable Live. Rick Venturi and Joe writes along. I'm Matt Taylor. You can tweet in your questions tonight and every Monday night using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Let's go back to the quarterback conversation. Wendell is asking, uh, Joe, you're up first on this one. If Sam Ellinger lights it up the rest of the season, hypothetically, obviously, does that change our need to get the quarterback of the future in the draft this upcoming April? I'd say definitely. And I think it was interesting to me, Frank, obviously, you, Matt you do Ryan. Think, you do think that changes things. Yeah, because I think Matt Ryan, you know, he said he's not going to play this week. But it was interesting, Frank said, you know, he's our, this is a – decision for the rest of the season and so now there's a 10 game sample size so what if the Colts go seven and three their last 10 and you're in the playoffs or you win the division right now all of a sudden and this guy's playing well I mean for sure it can change and I think that's the one thing that you asked me at the beginning are you surprised about this decision I said mildly because the one thing I know in the NFL and coach knows it it moves at a fast pace and it doesn't matter what you did last week last last month last year everything is generally on the table it's the great meritocracy as Andrew Luck would say, right? All that matters is can you play and how you do. So I'm excited for this kid. He's got a blank slate, and he's got 10 games to work with. Let's go out there and see what happens. But if he plays well, absolutely, I think that changes what you'll do in the draft. Let's hope that he plays lights out. If if he goes on and plays lights out and get us to the uh, gets us into the playoffs, gets us into the promised land, so to speak, then this discussion would be a moot point. It really would. You know, but on the other side, let's let's say it's the worst scenario. Let's say that, and I don't believe this for a minute, that this is who this team is. I think we're better than this, and maybe I've sold myself on this with my coaching demons that live in me. But, uh, you know, let's say that it doesn't work out. Let's say that it becomes status quo. Then, for once and for all, we're going to certainly know who Sam Ellinger right. is. Right, yeah, so 100%. At the at the end of the, you know, at the end of this season, Joe, we're going to either really be pleasantly surprised, or we're going to have to lottery a, a, a quarterback. Yeah. Period. Yeah, you'll have an answer. I think a good answer, a good sample size, as you said, ten games to know what you got and who you got at quarterback there with Sam Ellinger uh, after a three three and one start. Stay right there, Rick. Sean is up next. He's asking. I know Matt Ryan hasn't played great. But I feel like a move at quarterback now to an unproven guy like Sam Ellinger is just wasting prime years from DeForest Buckner, Jonathan Taylor, and our other core superstars. That, that, that's not a question. That's an opinion. But it kind of goes hand-in-hand uh, hand with what you just talked about in terms of you've got a good roster, but you're also trying to figure out how you can complement that roster with you know, those all-pro players and, and Pro Bowl players with stability at quarterback. Yeah, and you know, I that implies that we're tanking, you know, and I don't I don't believe this. I think we're trying to find the solution. I think we're trying to get Jonathan Taylor more yards. If we have a quarterback who can run a zone read, that opens up one more hole for Jonathan Taylor. If we can get a quarterback in there that can get us a lead, I mean, the reason we're not getting any turnovers, Joe mentioned it in another context earlier, the reason we're not going to get any turnovers is we're playing from one, two, three scores down all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know I coach 
stretch for 41 years, you're just not going to get turnovers when you're playing from two scores down because just like Tennessee did Sunday, they just take the air out of it. I mean, the only mistake they made, they got too cute on that speed sweep, but he wasn't. Heck, the throw to Hooper that ended up being a big third down conversion, he was just dumping it to get rid of it to punt the ball. So, I mean, I think a, a quarterback injection here that could make us better, he, you know, will make those guys better. Yeah, I would agree with that. You look at our run game and you look at some of these guys like Taylor, I think this is going to unlock him. I mean, was Taylor better last year or this year, year-to-date through seven games, defensively last year? And I, there's a lot of things that go into that, but a big one is – you know, Wentz was a threat to run with the ball. And so you're running an RPO, you're running a zone read. All of a sudden, they have a defender that's got to hesitate a little bit because Carson might pull and get around the end. That's going to be even more with Ellinger. And teams are going to see a uniquely defense. You know, you're Washington, you're Ron Rivera coming into this week. What are you going to defend? What are you guys going to do? And I think it's positive teams don't have film on this guy. And so all of a sudden, what are you going to do week to week? It's going to take probably a few weeks for maybe some of these defensive coordinators to catch up. And that's an advantage to the Colts. Coach, we always talk about it. What are you going to do this game with these players in this scheme to win the ball game? And I truly believe that for Washington next week, the way Matt Ryan's been playing and with his injury, we have the best chance to win with Ellinger. And I think that's the positive thing. And boy, it'd be nice for him to get one under his belt again. Very winnable game at home. Get some really positive vibes for this kid before you go off and play two more on the road against some good teams in New England and Vegas. And I thought, Matt and Joe, that really and truly, now it was a snapshot, and I guess he was on a pitch count. I got to assume he was. But I thought Jonathan was balling it. I I thought he was running mm-hmm. so much better, even though the numbers at the end of the game. But I still think he was like five eight. I mean, he was running the ball in limited, and I and I did feel like that that was a game. How we do we have, do we stay close? That that was a game, even though we came out quick tempo throwing. I think the run would have come to us that in that game if we'd have kept going with Jonathan. But obviously, he sat down several series. And I think it was because of the pitch count. But I think that's really important as we go yeah. forward as well. Rick Venturi right there and Joe Wrights, a part of Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, I'm Matt Taylor. Submit your questions using hashtag Colts Roundtable on our mailbag segment that we do every week here on the program. I want to get to two more, but we got to go quick. We're kind of up against it. So, Joe, you go first. Uh, this is coming from Nick. Is Paris Campbell proving to be the receiver we thought all along he could be, minus the injuries? Joe, he's got 17 catches for and, and two touchdowns in the last two games. What's interesting is he's playing great, and hats off to that kid who's overcome a ton of adversity, but he's doing it in a different way. I think we kind of thought he was going to be the home run guy over the top. He's really possession receiver in between the hashes. I think that's a credit to Pierce on the outside at that Zeta position, but really credit to Campbell redefining kind of his career, really emerging. I think we have real three really solid wide receivers to deal with. You got Ellinger, you got the running backs. We do mm-hmm. need some more production on the tight end position, but that does excite me here, what this offense can do uh, back there with Ellinger calling the shots. And, again, kudos yeah. to Campbell for overcoming a lot to get to that point. All right, and then, uh, Rick, this is uh, we talked about this earlier with Frank Reich on segment number one, but this comes from John. He's asking, where has this been from Grover? I mean, Rick, 12 tackles by a defensive tackle in a game. That's unreal. He is playing tremendous. You know, and if the question is he a pro bowler, I'm saying absolutely. Uh, this guy is dominating games when he's in there. And what's really improved with Grover is he always, from the very beginning, was a run stuffer at the point. 
But what he's unchained now is that athleticism that we saw at Albany State. He was raw, but we saw the athleticism when we looked at the tape. This guy can run you down. There was a play Sunday. He just walled off the whole our right side. He just walled it off and had a tackle for a loss. Uh, this guy is tremendous, and I'll tell you the respect people are having for him. They're starting to run a lot more plays to Buckner. There's a lot more powers now that are going to the three-technique side than the one-technique side, and that that is the ultimate compliment. No doubt about that. Having a great year, Grover Stewart. Colts Roundtable Live is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, we'll close out the show. We'll take a look at the AFC South standings, and we'll also preview the game on Sunday. The Commanders are in town for the first time since 2014. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You're locked in to Colts Roundtable Live, a look at the latest action with the Indianapolis Colts. For more Colts talk, here's Matt Taylor. Back for the final time on Colts Roundtable Live, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Pacers are next, but reminder, get your forecast first on CBS4 and get weather updates anytime with the CBS4 Indie app. You can customize it. So you only get the alerts that you want. Search CBS4 Indy in the App Store or Google Play. AFC South after seven. The Titans are four and two. They've had the bye. The Colts in second place, three, three, and one. Jaguars two and four. They've lost four in a row. The Texans are one, four, and one. Time to close out with the closing arguments. Joe, the floor is yours. Your final thoughts on the Colts-Titans game, and obviously Sam Ellinger now at quarterback and a look ahead to the challenge in week eight against the Commanders. What do you got to close out here? Disappointed with the Titans game, but excited for the future. Excited to see what Ellinger can do. Excited to see this ball club, you know, hopefully win a game at Washington, get him some positive vibes, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got a nine-game sprint to the headline. You can get to 4-3-1 and one, above 500, kind of at the halfway point. That's what they need to do, a very beatable Washington team. Give them a good week of practice, and let's fire it up Sunday here at 4-30. Yeah, absolutely. This is a one-game season. That's how you look at it. The commanders got well. I think they're going to feel good about themselves. They had the quarterback switch. Uh, with Heineke, as Chase Young says, <laughs> but uh, you know they're they're similar to the uh, to uh, Tennessee. Uh, they're you know they run the ball with three running backs. We're going to see Terry McLaurin back here, local kid, really top receiver for them. And one thing I'll just mention as a sidebar, I think when uh, Jonathan Allen plays and they will play against one another. But he and Grover Stewart will probably be the two best nose tackles in the league this week, dueling one another there at Lucas Oil. Should be a great matchup, and obviously the Colts are interesting now with the new quarterback. Sam Ellinger is your starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. That's the plan by the Colts. we got a scoot tonight. I want to thank everybody who joined the show and their questions and comments. I want to thank head coach Frank Reich. Back in segment number one, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights the rest of the way, and we've got you covered on the Colts all week long, as we always do with Colts Daily Updates, Tuesday through Thursday, the official Colts podcast. Tomorrow, Inside Football with Rick with the blueprints to beat Washington. That'll drop on Wednesday, and check all of that out. Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network, wherever you download your podcast. Pacer basketball next. Blue and gold take on the Sixers 
And we'll talk to you next week at 6 o'clock for another installment of Colts Roundtable Live. Until then, thanks for listening, everybody. Here on the home of the Colts, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Pacers next. Mm-hmm.